Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. All right, good morning, Liquid Church. How are we doing? Good to see you guys. Glad you are here for our final week, really, of Secret Sauce, the series we've been doing. And I want to say hello to all of our campuses. Actually, I want to start today with something kind of fun. You may have heard about the, uh, the two brothers who spent their life arguing whether Jesus was black or white. Have you heard of these guys? Uh, two brothers. Uh, the older brother said, no, Jesus is definitely white. The younger brother said, no, he's definitely black. Both brothers died on the same day. And when they arrived at the pearly gates, they ran up to St. Peter and said, so tell us, is the Lord black or is he white? At that very moment, Jesus walked by and said, buenos dias. Uh, you know, kind of, one what, of what core values, church is fun. You, you can laugh in church. You're not going to get struck by lightning. At Liquid, we have these kind of three key ingredients that really makes our church unique. Each week, we have been looking at one of them. Do you remember these? Ingredient number one, as we say, grace wins. Yeah, Liquid, our message is very simple. It's all about the gospel of grace, God's extravagant love his forgiveness, his blessing of people who've made a mess of their lives. We not only welcome broken people at Liquid, we embrace them. We give them the candlesticks, right? Because that's what Christ did for us. Grace is really the great distinctive of the Christian faith. It's not karma, it's grace. And we lead with that at Liquid. Grace wins. Ingredient number two, truth is relevant. We do believe, actually, the Bible is God's roadmap for holy living. In other words, I'm going to teach you from this. You guys know this every week. We open up the Bible because we don't think it's someone's good advice or just some like, you know, outdated record of ancient history. We believe it's the word of God. You know what the Bible says about itself? It's living and active. In other words, it can, it, it can really change your life and speak into whatever situation you're facing today in the 21st century. It really can if you take it to heart. Our culture is relative. That means its standards are always changing. But God's word is relevant. In other words, that means it reveals where we fall short of God's standards. Sin, it helps us draw closer as we submit our lives to God's truth. Grace and truth, this is kind of the blue cheese and the, and the hot sauce, the yin, the yang of the gospel, peanut butter, the jelly. You've got to kind of balance both grace and truth. If you're going to imitate the life of Jesus Christ, who John described this way, he said, we've seen Jesus' glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. These are our two base ingredients in the secret sauce at Liquid. You can see they're not original. We ripped them right out of God's recipe book, and we hope you're going to apply these to your life. Now, the third and final ingredient I want to introduce today, grace wins, truth is relevant, and church is fun. Yeah, and you may be kind of like scratching your head like, okay, I get grace and truth, but fun? Like, where's, where's fun in the Bible? Church is fun. Really? I mean, Christians can be funny, not always for the right reasons. Let's admit that. Uh, have you ever seen some of those like kind of funny church signs? Some churches have like a, a sign outside, uh, you know, advertising like what's coming up in their church. Check these out. I thought these were fascinating. Sunday's sermon topic, what is hell? Arrive early to hear our choir. It's like, is there like a correlation there? Youth group basketball game, 8 o'clock Wednesday. Come watch us kill Christ the King. You know, just in brotherly love. This one said that the morning sermon is Jesus walks on water, the evening sermon, searching for Jesus. <laughs> and then I, I love this, uh, join our new tithing campaign, our pastor upped his pledge, up yours. I was like, wow, that's very invitational. Um, 
Yeah, Christians can be funny, even when we're not really trying to be. We can be cornballs, especially pastors. Uh, in fact, you may have heard the one about the pastor who was kind of new in town, so he went around and wanted to introduce himself to everybody in the neighborhood. So he goes around kind of knocking on doors, introduce himself, and he came to one house, and he knocked on the door, but there was no answer, which was very strange. It seemed like somebody was home. So what he did is he took out his card, his business card, and he wrote a verse on it, Revelation 3.20, and he stuck it in the door and left. The following Sunday, when the offering was collected, he finds the same exact card somebody had put in the offering plate, but on the other side, they had written Genesis 3.10. So the pastor got out his Bible to compare verses, and you may know this, Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And Genesis 3.10 reads, I was in the garden when I heard you, but I was afraid because I was naked. <laughs> you know? Wait. We like to laugh at liquid. Is that okay? Is that all right? Let, let me explain. Yeah, okay, we can applaud for that. Oh, they like the naked joke. Okay. You lascivious people. This is the Corinthian church. All right. Let me explain what I mean by the word fun, because it's not always like ha-ha. Fun doesn't always mean like, you know, telling jokes or, or, or making people laugh. I like to do that sometimes. That's just part of my personality. But, but the idea of church is fun. The biblical word for fun is joy. We, we believe the church should be a place of joy, of, of life, of love, of laughter, of celebration. We take God seriously, but ourselves not so much. We really believe church is fun. It really should be the most joyful place on earth, because if you think about it, we have the best message in the world. I mean, our message is that God is not against people, he's for them. God is not angry at you. He's in the business of actually forgiving your sins, wiping your slate clean. Jesus took our sin on himself. He pays for our sins. And if you believe that, you receive this gift of grace. He says, I'm going to put my spirit in you and you'll never be alone again. You actually become a son or daughter of God. You get adopted into God's family. Is that good news? I want you to think about this. Yeah, amen, amen. We are the only organization in the entire world that will last forever. <laughs> this is the beginning of our eternal life with God. That is good news, and that should fill you with joy. There's really no room in our church for guilt, for shame, for judgment, for fear or anxiety, because God's putting all of us back together again in Christ. And one day we're told we're going to see Jesus face to face and be as he is. So this is a very hopeful message. It should fill you with joy. We have a lot of reasons to celebrate at Liquid. Over the last five years, we've had the privilege of baptizing over 600 people into the family of God. Can we celebrate that? That's amazing. That is incredible. Look at their faces. I mean, that's a, if you look at their faces, I mean, that's the face of joy, right? We always say this about baptism. It is the most fun you can have in a hot tub with your clothes on. It really is. I believe that. And, and this is going to sound strange for some of you. Okay, I get that. Maybe you come from a church background that is a little bit more strict or serious. Um, I did. I grew up in a church, actually, that was kind of solemn. Uh, they put the fun in funeral. And um, <laughs> I called our congregation the frozen chosen uh, because nobody laughed. Nobody raised their hand. No one showed any emotion. We, we stood, we sat, we sang, we listened to a sermon, and we went out single file. They were very serious, super serious atmosphere, not very welcoming, especially to new people. Uh, I remember one Sunday, in fact, I was very little, uh, like probably about 12 years old, and I, a single mom visited our church with her little girl, and she was kind of greeted warmly at first, but when people realized, oh, she's not married, and she was actually pregnant with another child, uh, everyone kind of, oh, it kind of slinked away into their little cliques. I remember watching her and her daughter sit in the very last row, in the very last seat in our church, and no one went over to greet them or say hello or anything. And the little girl just, you know, she drew kitty cats on her bulletin and all that. And after our pastor gave a wonderful message on the love of Christ, they slipped out the back door and never returned. They never came back. It was a big surprise. I mean, you'd come expecting 
the hope and the joy and the love that Jesus offers and what she actually experienced was just more judgmental religious people. It's no wonder she never came back, and that's a shame because the church is supposed to be the only organization in the world that exists for its non-members. Did you know that? This church isn't just for you, okay? It's for those who aren't here yet, for people who live on your street, the single mom at your office, the guy at the gym who are far from God. We are basically running here, guys, an outpost of the kingdom of God. And when folks come, we want them to feel the Father's heart. Not condemnation, but compassion. Amen? Is that your experience? I hope it is, because church should be fun, really full of joy as we welcome lost people home. That's the heart of the gospel. That's the heart of your heavenly Father. And that's really where we get our third ingredient, church is fun. From Luke chapter 15, and I want to show you this final key to our secret sauce. So open your Bible, turn there, page 726. This is a story Jesus told to give his disciples a vision for the kind of celebratory spirit that they should have in welcoming lost people to the family of God. This, this story is often called the, you know, the, the parable of the lost son. You've heard that, or the prodigal son. You may, everyone who's been in church, you've kind of heard this, but I hope you're going to see something new today um, because I, I can sum this up pretty quickly, okay? Basically, Jesus tells a story where a young son takes his father's money and says, I am going to Vegas, <laughs> And he, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. He blows the family fortune, literally. If you start at verse 11, Jesus says, there was a guy with two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. In other words, he was asking his father to give him his inheritance. Now, when do you typically get an inheritance? When your parents are dead. So this is like a 20-something slacker coming home and saying to his father, Dad, I wish you were dead. And that's, that's hurtful to us. But in Jesus' day, it would have meant deep, family shame because first century Judaism was a culture of honor. You honored your parents. You tried to bring respect to the family name. But this young son, he has other ideas. He's like, I am going to Vegas, baby. I'm 22. I wish you were dead, dad. Give me my money. I am out of here. So the father actually divides the property between them. You know what happens next. Look at verse 13. It says, not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. He set off for a distant country. He, he took JetBlue. He flew all the way to LA. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. In other words, the, the black sheep kind of blows everything on prostitutes. He even eats with the pigs at some point. This, this actually isn't funny. It's not like the hangover, haha. This is humiliating because not only did he ruin the family name, he loses the whole family fortune. And we all know people who have done this. You guys have friends like this? You've kind of grown up in the suburbs. They had parents that like, you know, loved and cared for them, gave them everything they ever wanted. But then suddenly they grew up, they got out of college. They're like, this is not for me. I'm going to the big city, the bright lights. I'm moving to Hoboken. You know, this is like, or Manhattan, whatever. You know, in my 20s, that's, that's what my friends were all about. You know, hitting the bars, picking up girls. Basically, we were kind of in full flight from the things of God. And what's crazy here is that the Father gives him the freedom to do it. See, that, that's the truth about God. God never forces you to stay in the fold. He actually lets his children choose their own path even if it has disastrous consequences. Because the party always ends, doesn't it? Friends always bail out once the money runs out and you're left alone. That's what happens here. It says, after he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Just stop there because this is a, Jesus is like winking at his audience. He's like, imagine this Jewish guy eating with the pigs. Think about this. What is the most unclean food that Jewish people were supposed to avoid? Pork. 
So this is Jesus' way of saying, this guy has hit rock bottom. He is dumpster diving. This kid's eaten out of a garbage can. And the conservative Jewish audience would have said, poo serves him right. But it actually wakes the kid up as he kind of sits there on the, the curb in the Hoboken haze. He starts thinking about going home. Verse 17 says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'm going to set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your, your hired men. I remember um, one time in my 20s um, when I kind of, you know, grow, grew up in that very strict church and I got to college and, I'm one, you know, after college I wasn't immediately walking with God and I was still living at home and I went to the city with one of my high school buddies and uh, one night, you know, we kind of hit, you know, a couple clubs, had too much to drink, you know, got, you really kind of got lit up, I'll be honest with you, and we, mit, we stayed out late, we missed the train home and, and when that happened we panicked because we were in Penn Station at 3 a.m. I had lost my wallet uh, and he had no cash. And, uh, and that's when we were like, dude, what are we going to do? And we decided we had to call home, collect. This was, I'm dating myself. This was before cell phones, right? <laughs> Some of you know this. You're like, oh, call, collect. Oh, this is bad. And I remember him dialing. He's like, what? He's calling his father. He's like, what in the world am I going to say? You know, what am I going to say to him? Like, hey, dad, I know, I know, you know, we're four hours past curfew, but we lost all our money. We're too drunk to get home. And I know mom is worried sick. Could you just come and pick us up? And I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. That, that, that worked, you know, works. He's <laughs> like, that's not going to work, man. He's going to be so angry. And so, so we started rehearsing what we could say to him. And, and that's what's happening here. The, the lost son didn't actually, he didn't have just one night of debauchery. He blew everything. He basically gave his father the finger, threw his money away. And he's like, how am I going to face him? How angry is he going to be? And so he starts rehearsing a speech. He's like, father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you, there's no excuse. I can't even call your son because he thinks his father is going to be furious. He thinks his father is going to be waiting with anger, boiling with rage. Where were you? How could you? And you know what? That's how a lot of lost people feel about God. That's what they think. Their life is a mess, and they think the last place I'm going for help is the church, okay? Because they assume, number one, they're going to get judged. They're going to get a beat down for all their moral failings. And they assume God is angry with them. I mean, maybe you had an angry father. You can relate. That's the other detail about my friend's father I didn't tell you. His dad was a functioning alcoholic. He was very well respected in the community, but at, you know, on weekends he would come home, he'd hit the hard stuff, and then he'd hit his boys, my friend and his older brother. It's no wonder he assumed that's what God's like. See, the truth is, a lot of times, lost people distort their, the picture of their earthly father. They project it on their heavenly one. That's how they think about God. But in the story Jesus tells, there's this amazing twist. Verse 20 says, the guy got up and goes back to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he was filled with, what's the word? Say it together. Compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And this would have shocked everybody listening to Jesus. Because in the surprise twist, the father isn't waiting Oh, with a closed fist. Wait till he gets home. But this wide open embrace. He's like, my boy is back. Come here. He, the, guy, the kid's like, no, father. I mean, he doesn't even let him finish his speech. And he hugs him and he kisses him. He's like, you're back. You're home safe. He shows compassion, not condemnation. Joy, not judgment. 
I wish that's how my, my friend's parents responded. Uh, his mom actually accepted the collect call. And uh, she came to get us. We drove home in silence. And uh, I was actually grounded for six weeks. And you know what? That was, that was actually what I needed at the time. I was an idiot at that moment in my life. I needed more truth than grace, okay, at that point in my life. But what does the father do in Jesus' story? He actually looks past his son's sin, and he sees something's changed in his boy's heart. He sees humility. He actually sees, like, honest repentance. Like, I'm thinking this whole thing through. That's what repent means. You think again. You think, what is my life about? This is not fulfilling. My... And you know what the father does? This is amazing at this moment. He says, stop. We got to have a party. <laughs> but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Now, just stop there, because I want you to imagine if I said, well, so what happened is my father's, you know, a friend's father drove to the city. He actually said, you know, he, he kind of said, good job, guys. You guys are crazy. I was crazy when I was your age. Here's the keys to my car. Go have a good time. You guys look tired. Let's go out for breakfast, and I'll take you shopping. You'd be, you'd be like, what kind of parenting is that? What kind of message would that send? That's exactly what everyone listening to Jesus' story would have thought. They're like, let's have a party and celebrate? Yes, says the father, for this son of mine was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost, and he's found. And so they began to, what's the word? Celebrate. You can circle that word, celebrate, because in the original Greek, you know what it means? It actually means they began to make merry. Like, we're going to have a party, man. Put on some cool in the gang. In other words... His father's like, we got to have a house party. Instead of killing his son for his sin, he kills a fat cow instead. And you're like, what is it with the fattened cow? Is this like a sacrifice? Here's the deal. Interesting. In Bible times, families often set aside one cow that they fed a special diet to. And you only killed the fattened calf when you wanted a special celebration. When you really wanted like, to kick the party to another level, you killed the cow. Can you say kill the cow? Kill the cow. I was trying to think of a creative way that we could illustrate this this morning. And I was like, you know what? We're going to wrap this thing up. I know we have this kitchen. We've been kind of using this cooking metaphor. You know, we've done barbecue sauce, spaghetti. I hit some of you in the face with a waffle. I apologize for that, uh, you know, kind of thing. But I was like, you know, church is fun. How fun would it be to slaughter a cow on stage? Would that be good times? Church is, yes. <laughs> the vegans are just freaking out. What the? Church is fun and, like, you know, disgusting. Don't worry. We're not going to slaughter a fattened calf this morning. But I got to think, what else is fattening? What else is kind of, you know, what kind, what kind, what, what's a modern food equivalent that says parte, okay? Behold, on the eighth day, God created Krispy Kremes. Oh, yeah, bring them in. You know it, JP. Come on, boys. Come on down. We got waiters. Here, give them a hand. We got Krispy Kremes today for you. Pass them out. <laughs> Wave your donut in the air like you just don't care. Crispy Kremes. Down south, they have a sign in the store that says hot now. Have you ever seen this? There's a party going on. 
This is not Dunkin' Donuts, folks. This is the Cadillac of Donuts. This is the fattened calf of donuts right here. Turn to your neighbor, say, celebrate good times, and then let's kill a case of donuts. We gon' celebrate so good. Oh my God. So stop the music. What is wrong with you people? This is church. Playing cool in the gang eating donuts. I love Krispy Kremes, man. That's like, have you ever been down south? We don't have much here in the north, but Krispy Kreme is, it is. It's like the fattened calf of donuts. And they have that hot now sign, man. So we actually had 2,000 donuts imported this morning from Atlanta. So you just enjoy that. Woo! Oh, hot land in the house. I love it. Woo! All right. Everyone on a diet just fell off the wagon. Just stop your sinning. Listen to this. Because you're like, you're like, if you're new, you're like, what did I just walk into, right? You know? It's kind of like this orienting, and, and there, it's like you can't have fun in, in, a, in a holy environment, can you? Listen, in Jesus' story, that's how people would have felt. They would have been caught off guard by the sudden celebration because it seemed totally out of place. If you look at verse 25, it says, there was music and dancing, and they began to make merry. In other words, the black sheep comes home, and they kill a case of Krispy Kremes. They bring out the fatted calf. Jesus' audience would have been outraged. They couldn't believe it. They're like, a, a son disgraces his family. He blows his dad's money on pigs and prostitutes. He hits rock bottom, and he realizes the mess he made, and he comes home with his hat in hand, and his father throws a party? Yes, apparently daddy like Krispy Kremes. <laughs> Folks, this may seem silly to you, but it reveals a stunning truth about your father's heart for lost people. Listen to me. This is how your heavenly father feels about any man or woman boy or girl who is far from him and returns home in humble, honest repentance. If you're here today and you felt far from God, you, your father in heaven is not waiting to drop the hammer on you. He's waiting to throw a party. In Luke 15, 10, Jesus says, I tell you, there's, what's the word? Rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner, one sinner who repents. There's that word again, joy celebration, party. When a lost son or daughter comes home, that's what the father feels. There's a party in heaven, God says. There's this deep and authentic joy in God's heart because he sees a lost child who comes to their senses and now they're back in the fold safe and sound. See, guys, in the Bible, there are major and minor themes. Some are more important than the other. Some are bigger. The minor theme is sorrow and sin and brokenness. Sometimes we make that the major theme because we see it in our lives all around us. We, we see broken homes. We see marriages falling apart. We see random violence, shootings in theaters, in schools. But it's actually only the minor theme of the gospel. The major theme is grace. It is restoration. It is forgiveness. It's the hope of redemption, a second chance. It's believing that the Father really does love us. And in Christ, everything that we see is, that's broken is being put back together again. And that's cause for celebration, for feasting, for fun. And if you don't like that, you're not going to like heaven very much. You know why? Because the Bible, you know what the Bible says about heaven? The Bible says heaven is going to be like a funeral. No! Heaven's going to be like what? A wedding, a party. The wedding feast of the Lamb, Jesus says. And when Christ returns... He says, you're going to be celebrating for the rest of your lives because God's turning evil for good and, and his father has all of his children safely home back in his fold. And I have to tell you this, as a pastor, there is no greater joy in my life 
than seeing people who are far from God come home to Christ to actually say, I want that forgiveness. I'm putting my trust in Jesus and I'm trusting the Father for my salvation. Guys, that's why we have fun in church. Because every single Sunday, there are men and women who come to our campuses who are taking their first hesitant steps back to God. And you know what? They're nervous. They may walk in here all cool, but inside they're kind of, you know what they're thinking? Will I fit in? Are they going to judge me? Is this going to be weird or boring? Are they going to make me walk up front? This is, I've seen this. <laughs> right? That's how prodigals think. They actually are painfully aware of their sin. And they project the worst of their earthly fathers on their heavenly father. And they think daddy's angry and the rest of us are judges. And they're rehearsing a speech. What am I going to say when they shake my hand? They're just hoping to survive. But all of a sudden, boom, when they're met with compassion and not condemnation, when they're met with joy and not judgment, oh my gosh, it can change their entire outlook on who God is and what his heart is really like. Amen? Suddenly they see that God is for them. He's not against you. It's why he sent Jesus. By nature, we're the prodigal son. We're separated from the father. We're just like the young son in the story. But the father, the gospel, is that he said, you know what, I want you so bad in my family. I'm going to pour out all my wrath on my one and only son, Jesus Christ on the cross, so you can become a son or daughter of God. I want to adopt you in my family. You believe that good news? That is good news, amen? It's the gospel. It's simple. It is profound. And that is your father's heart. And guys, this is the key to our secret sauce at Liquid. We treat lost people like VIPs. You guys know what VIP is. It stands for very important person. And no person is more important at this church than first-time guests. You know why? Because some of them are your family. A lot of them are your friends. You invite them. A lot of them, this is their first step back to the Father. And they're wondering, do I need a speech? Do, is he going to be angry? Am I going to get judged? And we're like, dude, we're going to give you a VIP experience. We actually train our volunteers to welcome prodigals the way that the father welcomes his son in Luke 15. Look at the five things, would you, that, that, that the father does to welcome his son. If you're taking notes, he welcomes him with anticipation. Notice how it says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. In other words, the father didn't sit back and wait for his son's return. It says, God was at the window, scanning the horizon. He's like, maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day he comes back. And at Liquid, every Sunday, we anticipate that there will be people in this service who God is literally drawing back to his heart. Maybe they heard a radio ad, a friend invited them, you know, someone gave them a pen. And when they arrive, we want them greeted with compassion. It actually says he was filled with compassion for his son. I had a young woman send me an email one time. She actually shared how she was pregnant and unmarried, and she kind of felt all alone, and she just said, I just want to know, Tim, am I going to be welcome in your church? Am I welcome at your church? Like, she actually thought to email that because she didn't want to get here. That's what lost people want to know. When they come, are they going to get condemnation or are they going to receive compassion? Are you going to actually have love, pity, and understanding for their story? And I was like, you are more than welcome here. You are a VIP. There's going to be love and grace waiting here for you. I'd love to meet you before the service. Let's have a coffee afterwards. And that woman came. And she was embraced by other women, and she actually found Jesus Christ here. And now she serves here as a beautiful little boy and a spiritual family to walk with her through life. Every Sunday, guys, when I drive her, when I get in my truck on the way to church, I think today's the day. Today's the day. It's going to be somebody's first time. They're coming back from Vegas or Hoboken. 
and they maybe never experienced the Father's love before, but today I get to show it to them. You get to show it to him. That fills me with excitement. Look what the father has. It says, he ran to his son. And see, that didn't happen the first century. Patriarchs walked like this. Hmm. It meant that father had to jack up his skirt and go running down the driveway to the boy. You know why? Because there was a Jewish law that said if a rebellious son gets to the gate, you stone him. And father said, I'm going to get there before anyone else does. Welcome. Are you excited when lost people come to this church? Man, I am. When you greet people, when you serve, do you feel that well up in you? That's part of that whole VIP mentality. You don't have to kiss people when they come, all right? But what we're asking our volunteers to do, can you put your arm around somebody? If you see somebody new, could you actually sit next to them, take them out to coffee? We prepare for people. Preparation, that's key. Notice how the father prepares for his son. He says, quick, bring the best robe, put a what on his finger, a ring and sandals on his feet. In other words, he gives these special gifts to his son. You know what a ring was? A ring was the sign of the father's authority. In other words, he says, you're my son now. He puts, he puts flip-flops on his feet. Servants went barefoot in those days. But the father says, no, no, you're not a servant. You're not a stranger. You're family. You're family. That's how we want newcomers to feel at this church. We want you to feel like you're family, like you belong here. You know why? Because you do. So go out of your way to welcome them. Introduce yourself. You don't just sit there in your you know, little holy huddle. Because you know why, guys? You were once that person. That's who you were. You remember your first time here? You remember the first time you came? Think back to that. Some of you have been here for years. You were brand new to Liquid at one time. And you know what? Someone greeted you in the parking lot. Somebody helped you, you know, bring your stroller in. Someone checked your kids in. First-timers are VIPs here. And every, every week we prepare those first-time guest bags, right? We fill them with goodies. It's not a fatted calf. Depending on the Sunday, you know, it's a chocolate bar or a T-shirt or a Krispy Kreme. Because we want our church to be a place of celebration. Let's have a party and celebrate, the Father says. Our VIP volunteers, you guys, got one goal, and that is to create an irresistible environment of joy and fun that celebrates people returning to God. Amen? Do you know that people got here early today to unpack 2,000 donuts, to put notes in your program? Somebody set up signs in the parking lot, not just so you can find parking, but so it says, that's the way to the Father's house. That's where you're going to get accepted, where you're going to get loved. Guys, we will do anything short of sin to lead people to Jesus Christ. It's why we'll wear, we'll wear crazy costumes. We'll throw waffles in your face. I don't care, man. It's funny. Actually, last week, a guy comes up to me after the service, and he goes, hey, how about throwing beers in the crowd? That'd be fun. And I was like, <laughs> we take the gospel seriously, but not ourselves so much. We want people to see the Father's heart, and we're not afraid to look foolish doing it. Now, I realize, I just want to call this out. If you grew up in a more traditional religious environment, this may seem strange to you, but this isn't just like about a casual style or disarming folks. There's a purpose behind our approach. My friend Karen, um, Karen grew up in a very strict religious environment, very conservative. But since coming to Liquid, she has discovered the joy of serving Christ and welcoming prodigals home. So I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, uh, which meant pretty much I went on Easter and Christmas with my family. And it was uh, tiresome and boring. I had children. Um, I enrolled them in the local Catholic Church, their catechism, and decided to teach. Um, so I did that for seven years, and I felt very disconnected. I've been coming to Liquid about three and a half years. 
uh, kind of founded on a fluke. One of the first things I remember Tim saying was how religion had kind of messed people up. And I went, wow, well, I think this is the church that I need to pay attention to. Everything that this church is about is based in authenticity. Pastors are standing up and telling you great stories about what's going on in their own lives, bearing what happens to them on a personal level. Well, I really wanted to um, participate in Liquid and connect with people there, so I volunteered during the Rock and Run for Africa. I can, I can face paint, I'm a makeup artist for television and film, so I knew that that's something I could have, could have done well. And um, so I showed up and got out my paints, and Darth Vader was there, and that was Tim. And there's Tom, and he's Buzz Lightyear. Mike is Woody, and I was like, where am I? This is church. A very different atmosphere than coming from where I came from, which was a Catholic church called, believe it or not, Our Lady of Sorrows, and they weren't kidding. So one of our core values um, at Liquid is that church is fun. Um, while we take God very seriously, we certainly don't take ourselves all that seriously. Church has to be fun because you want to reach everyone. The judgment of certain churches has turned people away from God instead of drawing them closer to God. Um, so to lighten up that whole environment, to have fun, why can't we have fun? And God, I think Jesus probably had a great sense of humor. We're here for Karen, I agree with her, man. I think she's right on. I think Jesus did have a great sense of humor. He has to, to put up with the likes of us, amen? Liquid is a church for prodigals, for those who've blown it and need to taste grace. But we're also a church for older believers. They're those who've grown up with traditional religion, maybe emphasizing the truth, but suspect that there's more to faith than just keeping the religious rules. See, there really are two brothers in Jesus' story. There's the younger brother who breaks the rules, and he gets grace. He gets the party. But there's an older brother who he's watching this whole thing unfold, and he's actually outraged. He doesn't think church is fun at all. It's actually infuriating to see this. Well, everybody's inside partying. Look at this. Finish up. Verse 25. Look what it says. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what is going on in there? Are they playing cool in the gang in church? Yeah, Lady Gaga. And the guy's like, your, your, your brother has come back, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back, safe and sound. Look, the older brother became, what's the word? Angry. And he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Imagine God going out and talking. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. And yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, what about the hooker's dad, come home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours, he was dead. He's alive again. He was lost, and he's found. And that's where the story ends. With the rule breaker inside the party, <laughs> enjoying grace, and the rule keeper outside with his arms crossed, judging. Donuts. Krispy Kreme. <laughs> you spend money on in this church. See, the final surprise of this story is that the brother 
who spent his whole life in the Father's house. In other words, you may have gone to church for years. You've been sitting and soaking in the truth and getting it all in, and it soured your heart. The one son who was close to the father completely missed his father's heart. His brother got grace, but you know, he got religion. He said, I think I can earn my father's love by obeying the rules. All these years I've been slaving for you. That's what people think religion is. I got to follow all these rules. I got to do this thing, sit up, sit down. I never disobeyed, not once. Self-righteous religious people think God accepts them because of their moral performance. I'm going to earn my way into heaven. I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. I'm tithing. I will not go to Vegas. I will avoid everybody who does go there. And that's why older Christians sometimes look down their nose when a prodigal walks in. They shake their head. They say, oh, I guess that's a secret church or something. Because somewhere along the way, as they sat and soaked, they lost touch with grace. And they said, I have a religious spirit instead. I just judge other people and I look at me. Look at my moral performance. See, guys, this is the scandal of Jesus' story. You get this? With the Father, you don't earn anything. The gospel is not about you being good. It's about God being generous. Amen? There's nothing you can do that can make your Father love you more than he already does at this moment. There is nothing that you've done that will make him love you less. In Jesus Christ, God already loves you as much as an infinite God is capable of. Is that liberating? Is that good news to you? If you've been in church for a while, if you're an older believer, you've kept the rules, you've kind of done your duty, can I just humbly remind you of this? You don't earn favor with God. You don't get extra stars for perfect attendance. Listen to how he speaks to his son. He says, my son, you're always with me. You have as many Krispy Kremes as you want. We'd celebrate. Your brother was dead. He was lost and he's been found. In other words, why aren't you joining the party? I mean, that's a, that's a question for some longtime believers. God wants to say, when did you stop having fun in church? When did you lose the joy of welcoming prodigals back to Christ? When did you lose touch with grace? Yeah, you foolish Galatians, puffed up in your knowledge, yet missing the Father's heart. He's like, son, come here, have a donut. <laughs> Go ahead, you can have a donut. Take a bite. Church is fun, and guess what? The Father wants you to join the party. It never says whether the older brother went in. It says he stood there with his arms folded. It's a picture of heaven. Be some people who are very religious and say, I don't want any part of that. And you're not going to like heaven very much because heaven's going to be amazing. It's going to be the funnest thing ever because we're going to be celebrating the Father's radical generosity and love. And guys, my dream is that our church would be a place for prodigals and older brothers too, for both of you. For those of you who are returning from Vegas and those recovering from religion. So let me ask you directly, will you join the party? If you've been attending our church, you're a follower of Christ, you're not serving on Sunday, why not? We have a spot for you on this team of VIP volunteers who create this experience for newcomers every week. We need people to escort new families, to welcome new people, and our whole goal, guys, is that every single person who walks in one of our campuses will feel the beat of the Father's heart through you. God's making his appeal through you. We want people who actually radiate his compassion to new guests. So be a friend to a single mom who's taking a step back to Christ. We put a card in your program this morning. You guys take that out. It says join the party on it, yeah? If you're not on a team and you're interested in serving with our VIP volunteers, 
just give us your name and your info, okay? If you're a people person, even better. We'll email you this week with details how you can join the VIP team. There is nothing more rewarding than serving the Father's house this way. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. You will see lives change in front of you. And just like yours hopefully has, you were once a first-timer too. And secondly, I just want to speak directly to prodigals. If you are here today and you know you're far from God, you, you, you feel it. And you've come in this morning and you're like, man, that's me. Actually, I've been kind of laughing, but that's my story. You've got shame or you've got guilt or, 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 or just feeling worthless. I'm not worthy. Welcome home. Your heavenly father has his arms wide open. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, that's God saying, I love you this much. I'd rather die than live without you for eternity. Come home. Today, you can leave different. You can leave knowing where you're going. You don't have to rehearse a speech. You just have to be honest with God. Tell him your sin. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. He died to forgive your past, and he was raised to give you a future. You've been coming for a while, maybe. You've been coming for some weeks. You felt spiritually lost. God's been speaking to you. Today's the day, man. Believe it. If you're the older brother, you got your arms crossed, it's not religion, man. It's grace. Receive it. Let the angels throw a party in heaven this morning. Amen? Come home to Christ. And I want to give you a chance to do that right now as we pray. Let's bow our heads. All our campuses, just keep our heads bowed for just a minute. We've come to the end of the series. God's speaking to some of you. He's saying, come home. Today, be a daughter of Christ. A son of God. You can have everything changed. That's so you can simply pray, Father, forgive me. I miss you. I put my trust in Jesus. And I receive his love this morning. Give me a new life. Give me a fresh start, God. Just pray that in your heart. Just pray that in your heart. If you're praying that right now, would you just look up and just make eyes with me so I can see you? I want to welcome you in God's family. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Look at that. Praise God. Father, I just thank you right now that your family is expanding and your kingdom is growing. And that you've invited us to the party. We receive your love right now. Receive your grace. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, we just, we want to see this family grow and we want people, Lord, to see you for who you really are, for your heart. Thank you, Father, for grace. In Jesus' name, all God's people said together, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.